Welcome back to the Trafficking Free America podcast. My name is Jeremy, and I'm going to be hosting this. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, launching some podcast episodes um, with guests that are talking about each episode of our new Advocate series. Advocate is a five-part video series that the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking has created to ultimately educate the church about human trafficking and how we should respond to it in a Christ-centered way. Today, we're going to be talking with Bruce Deal. He is uh, the pastor and founder of a City of Refuge. Uh, City of Refuge is a faith-based environment that helps individuals and families transition out of crisis. Basically, he was he went to Atlanta and, to kind of plant a church in some of the um, urban area of Atlanta and um, was basically confronted with helping um, this, this lady um, end her life. In trafficking, she was being trafficked, and and that kind of uh, opened up a whole world of him helping many individuals in many different situations. That ultimately, crisis surrounds them. He's going to get a little bit into um, how he uh, does that and what he does for them. But ultimately, we're going to be talking about um, advocate and episode specifically episode one as we um, dive into uh, the importance of this series, uh, what to expect kind of like before and after episode one, as we get it, as those who are, uh, you know, engaging in the series are getting, are diving into it. And what we want to do is ultimately kind of create larger discussion points and, and, and more, uh, the, the larger ability to, um, to grasp the content that we're about to, um, watch the, about the content we're about to consume. And, um, I, I love this conversation with Bruce and, um, I hope you will too. Hey, Bruce. Uh, thanks for joining us today and uh, talking to us about this Advocate series. Uh, I, I, the audience probably doesn't know who you are. For those who don't know, I would love for you to introduce yourself and um, and tell us how you, you, know, you are currently in the fight combating human trafficking or maybe how you know about human trafficking or why possibly you're talking with us today. Well, sure. Thanks for the opportunity. My name is Bruce Deal. I am the founder and CEO of City of Refuge, a nonprofit helping individuals in crisis in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm also chairman of the board for an organization called House of Cherith, which is a survivor uh, program providing resources and services for survivors of sex trafficking exploitation. And I'm the founder of an organization called Most Men Opposing Sex Trafficking. So I've uh, been in the space for a long time, but really intentionally for the past decade. What got you involved in this? Like, like um, you were a pastor, you know, going to the Atlanta area. Something like that, right? Like, Yeah, so I went downtown actually on a six-month assignment to close a little church, and a young lady in crisis walked up at the end of our service about five or six weeks in, and her words to me were, I've been hooking and stripping 14 years. Can you help me get out of the life? Uh, so that sort of introduced us to a, a dark, shadowy place that we had not engaged in very much. And so we assisted her with getting out of a, a really tough trafficking environment that week. And that introduced us to a lot of other folks that had experienced that. Ten years ago, I had a dramatic encounter with a young lady that had been rescued after being locked up for three years. And uh, she made this statement to me, Jeremy. She said, you have to take me to the courthouse and wipe away the fact I ever existed, change my name, social security number, birth certificate, because they'll find me and they'll kill me. And so out of that, we launched our recovery program. And uh, over the last 10 years, had the privilege and blessing of serving over 900 women that have been rescued or escaped from trafficking exploitation environments. What, like, like, so, you know, someone comes to you, says all this, like, 
what made you feel that you needed to um, like begin this whole organization just because of this one person? There was desperation in her voice. I knew we had to do something immediately. As a result of that encounter, I started uh, doing my own uh, checking and investigating the Metro Atlanta, where we're from, about the number of programs available and found out that there are very, there are not nearly enough program beds, long-term trauma-informed care beds for survivors in the country. So, you know, the reports are all over the board, but one report from the FBI says that, that a minimum of a, hundred, of a million Americans will be trafficked inside the borders this year, not counting internationals that may come in. And there are only uh, less than a thousand uh, high-performing trauma-informed care beds available in the United States through nonprofit organizations. So when you start doing the math, uh, these, these individuals do not have enough resources and, and enough places available for them to go. So we elected to be a bit of a remedy for that situation. Now, um, we kind of get uh, when it, well, I won't jump in that far. Um, well, let me, um, I'm, I'm curious, like, as your mindset of a pastor, of just like you were, you felt like um, a call to go to Atlanta inside more of an urban um, environment and start spreading the gospel as any pastor would. Like, well, before you felt like you were called to, you know, help victims of human trafficking and around that, around that, and, and you know, a bit more than just that, but a little bit more. Um, but like, what was your original mission when you went there? And then how did it change? How did God? change that mindset? Yeah, well, the original mission, I had been in traditional ministry 14 years at that time. I'd been on staff of churches as a youth pastor, associate pastor, executive pastor. And I was going downtown to close a little church and sell the property. It was down just a few folks and and limited resources. And it just happened to be located in a neighborhood where there was a lot of poverty, a lot of addiction, a lot of crime, uh, a lot of sex crimes. And, and it was sort of God's way of placing me in an environment that I was not necessarily comfortable in and certainly had not been exposed to at the level that this neighborhood exposed me to it. And once my wife Rhonda and I got there with our girls, we understood that this was not a temporary assignment. This was something we were called to. And, and we realized as well, and, and this I don't mean this to sound derogatory in any way, but we also realized that we had been sent there in a unique fashion because the church at large was unwilling or uh, afraid or hesitant to deal with some of these issues in a straightforward manner. And so, you know, the fact that we were invited to go down for six months has now turned into 26 years because we decided to embrace some of the things in society that church at large simply doesn't embrace. Why do you feel like they're not embracing or do you, do you think it's like a, do you think it's a heart issue or do you think it's like a, um, like lack of resources, like not really knowing how to react? Like what, what in your opinion, what's really going on? Well, I'm not, I, I don't think it's a heart issue. I think, I think it's more of a fear issue and an unknown issue. So we don't quite know as a church how to deal with sex trafficking, for example, because, you know, research shows that the same percentage of men who attend church on a weekly basis or don't attend church on a weekly basis, same percentage of them engage in watching pornography on a weekly basis, right? So the issue is inside the church, but the church doesn't want to address that because then it would expose some things about the church that we might be uncomfortable being exposed. Then there's also just this, I don't know how to deal with it. So there's a little bit of naivety, uh, which results in ignorant bliss, but I don't know what to do about it. So I'll pray God send somebody else or that the church across town rises up to do it. So I think there's a little bit of a fear that it will expose something inside a church. I think there's also 
this naivety about it and, and a, an unwillingness to learn how to deal with it. Well, that um, kind of segments us into, you know, um, segments that, that kind of segues us into um, what we're kind of talking about today, which is the Advocate series. Now, um, uh, you were asked to kind of be involved with it. You're in you're in the series and stuff like that as a sort of someone who's uh, in this fight and can kind of speak to it um, uh, as, as a witness, and as an expert, if you could say. Um, but like, why, why do you feel like, um, like before you even saw the series, before you even watched any of it, um, did you feel like this was an important thing to do? Well, it's a critical thing to do. You know, it's, there comes a point when something that is the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world, right? Sex trafficking, the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. And yet the church rarely talks about it. Church rarely engages in dialogue about it, rarely has programs about it. Uh, Sometimes we'll send a check to support an organization to do it. But it's sort of been that, you know, topic that's off off subject somewhere else. Let somebody else deal with that. So the Advocate series has been needed for a long time. And and I love the opportunity that churches now have. And, And frankly, they'll have to say yes or no to the series, right? I mean, we, we will, you guys will make it available and there'll have to be a decision made, but it is something that has been desperately needed for a long time. And the quality of this series is such that it is going to bring not only exposure, but a call to action, which is critical in this, in this space. Well, why, um, in your opinion, like, like, like when we were first approached about this, about possibly beginning a series uh, for churches uh, to be educated about human trafficking and whatnot, you know, we already have training that exists. There's training that exists in multiple places. Why is this any, why is this really any different in your opinion than any other training that a church, any church member could go with their hands on? Well, there's training in multiple places, but it's training that's available if you go look for it or if you choose to engage in it. When we take a series like Advocate and we put it in a church and a pastor endorses it and he said, this is something I feel is critically important to our congregation, to the folks who call this church home. Now you have an endorsement from someone that people look up to, that they respect as a spiritual leader. I think that's number one key is the endorsement from senior leadership in a local church. The second thing is there is biblical basis for this particular training, right? So the individuals that you have in Advocate Series, many of them come from faith places, from places uh, places of faith experience and faith vocation. So now it's not just a training on how you recognize trafficking, what are the signs, what are the questions you ask a survivor. It's, hey, this is something we are compelled to do by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only does he compel us to do it, but he actually gives us some methodology in scripture by which we can approach this. So I think the fact that it is centered and focused on the church is critical, that will that it will be endorsed by senior leadership is critical, and that it comes from the root of scripture is critical as well. So um before you were watching, before you began watching this uh series, like um uh, you were you were given it as a pre-screening. Uh you've seen the latest version, uh it won't be the final version, um, with a, a few edits that we made and stuff like that. But what were you anticipating? Um going uh, starting to watch this like you knew that francis chan was part of it you knew kind of the basis of it but you actually didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about it before you started watching the whole thing what was what were you anticipating well i was anticipating as i began to watch the advocate series i was anticipating a little bit more sterile presentation because um you know 
honestly, most of the presentations that are put together, especially in the faith environment, are unwilling to dive to the deepest, darkest places of trafficking. And with Advocate, you do that. You know, the Advocate series takes us to the survivors, speaking of their pain, their suffering, their trauma in really candid, blunt, sometimes profane terms, right? And and I think that's that's what they feel. That's how they're wired at the moment. That's what that experience has brought to them. The willingness to say those kind of things and then to put that on a screen in a safe environment, I think, is critical. Uh, the law enforcement who is willing to talk about this in very open terms, those who deal from the trauma environment to talk about this. So, you know, I think I was probably prepared for it to be a bit more sterile and um, and and not quite as confrontational as Advocate has turned out to be. And it's very refreshing to me that it's not sterile. It's very refreshing to me that it is confrontational. And at the end of the day, a decision probably has to be made by the individuals who watch it as to some form of action that they choose to either engage in or not. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit on the confrontation side of it. You know, um, I know that it, what's interesting about the first episode is it, it, it first, it, it's, it's kind of a built in, in three ways, right? It starts off with like this, this motivation, like, Hey, Wilberforce, you know, a, a, a Christian man, like the church in many ways was uh, led the way in ending uh, what we I would say our society views as like the worst time of slavery, the transatlantic slave trade of like, how did we let this go on for so many years? And, um, and like, and we're still dealing with those repercussions today, but like it was, it was Wilberforce, some, an abolitionist like him who actually began this, um, this mindset, this culture change around it. Um, and it wasn't just him, you know, that he just like a name in, inside the group. But, um, uh, but then it goes into, you know, the ugliness of trafficking and it becomes a little confrontational of like, how is the church going to react to this? Um, but then Francis starts to get into this idea of like, Hey, before we get into this, like, let's, let's make sure we don't turn this into a prideful thing. Something that was like, well, I, I care. Why do others not? And, 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 and it, the whole, so I know it was built around ultimately prepping us for this series. Like, so, um, because we don't get into a whole lot of educational tips and stuff like that, like it almost leaves you at the end of the episode, like, okay, I'm feeling motivated, I guess, but I don't really know what to do next. Like what, what would you say to the audience right now after watching the first episode before getting into the rest of it? Well, I'd say search your heart. You know, how do you feel about the issue? How do you feel about the subject matter? Does this repulse you? Does this break your heart? Does this make you sad? I think some self evaluation would be critical in this point along the way. For those that are already involved in it, I think fighting against pride certainly would be something that, as Francis uh, alludes to, that we should not even consider because, uh, you know, if we're called to this and we have a desire to be a part of this, then it should be taken as any other ministry responsibility, that it should be an honor and a privilege to do this, not a prideful thing. And and then I think after coming out of episode one of Advocate, there should be sort of this insatiable desire to see episode two. Right. I mean, we've set the stage here. The table's been set. The plates are out now. You know, what's the main course look like? Where, where are we headed? What's this conversation going to take me to? So I think there should be this desire, especially inside of Christians, believers, to see what's next in the episode. Episode one does a really good job of sort of presenting the issue. Um, and so now what are some steps we can take or what are some issues that we're unaware of that may come in following episodes? 
you know, that, that leads me to another question. Like, you know, you're someone who's watched this in, in the light of like someone who's currently involved in, in uh, combating trafficking. You've, you've been educated already uh, on many things and you're helping educate others. What about someone who's like kind of hearing about this for the first time in, in many ways? Like, uh, like maybe they had a skewed idea of trafficking or didn't know much about it, but this helps, you know, maybe start defining a, a, a new uh, idea for them. Like, it's overwhelming. It's got to be overwhelming for someone who's just kind of hearing about this, stepping into it. And I think many times people just go, I, I like, obviously I care about someone being sold, someone being kidnapped, someone being forced, coerced. And I care about that, but what am I supposed to do? Like, how do you think this episode is preparing their hearts in that circumstance? Yeah, well, I would, I'd caution the viewers of episode one, not to be overwhelmed by the material that's presented there, not to be overwhelmed by the stories of the survivors, not to be overwhelmed by the fact that this is the fastest growing criminal enterprise. Uh, but what is your role? What is your responsibility? So if, you, if you're brand new to the subject matter, and if you've just started to hear a bit about it, uh, make up your mind to stay the course. You know, don't, don't set it to the side, but stay the course to, to watch the rest of the series, episodes of Advocate, and also do your own research to find out because Truth of the matter is sex trafficking is taking place in every community in our country. So when individuals watch something like Advocate, the, series, the episode one, they need to understand this is their issue. This is not somebody else's issue. This is not the society's issue. This is not our country's issue. This is your issue. Uh, women and sons and daughters in your community are being trafficked. They're being exploited. And, and you have a responsibility to be a part of the solution. And so figuring out what your part is and beginning to understand what your role and responsibility is moving forward is something I think every viewer should dive into rather deeply. Well, going back to what you said earlier, you, you were you were kind of almost comforted by the confrontation of this episode. Can, can you let me know what kind of what you mean by that? Like what, what is good about confrontation in this circumstance? Well, I think we have a tendency, especially as, as Christ followers, we have a tendency to get into a cadence and a rhythm in our Christian life. So we have our devotional time or we have our small group time and we have our regular worship times that are scheduled into our calendar on a weekly basis. We have these disciplines that we partake of and participate in, and it becomes routine sometimes. And if we're not careful, we shy away from things that are confrontational or challenge our regular routine and our regular pace of life as it relates to our spirituality. So when something comes along that confronts me, that's confrontational, that challenges me, I personally want to take a look at that. Why am I challenged by this? Why does this knock me back a step? Why is this not something that I've engaged before? So I think confrontation leads to questions and in questions should lead to action. So that's the reason I'm grateful that episode one and the entire series of Advocate will be confrontational because that's going to cause me and should cause others to ask questions. Questions should result in us taking some form of act. Well, to kind of point out the elephant in the room, it's like, um, you know, growing up, right? I felt like um, as a pastor's kid, I heard a lot like if uh, for missions, right? Like overseas missions and stuff like that. Like if you feel called, go and blah, 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 blah. And it always felt so extreme to me. Like, does it mean if I don't go? Does it mean I'm a mediocre Christian and here in the States? Like it, it, so kind of referring it to hear like for someone maybe some people like kevin malone was felt called to create an organization to do a lot of uh sp specific fighting to uh, to uh, to help build a safe home to help do all these things 
are we calling every person in the church to do something like that? And if not, um, you know, what is the, uh, what is the basic thing as, as a pastor, as a leader, how would you tell your congregation to react to this as far as like actionable steps on going with the extreme of like, uh, let me, let me kind of dedicate my life to this versus like just the everyday person who just should be educated about this. Like how, how should we, how should they feel uh, watching this series? Well, I think it's rare when an individual is going to be called completely out of their comfort zone and dive headfirst into something like addressing sex trafficking. That That is not going to be the common response to Advocate or any other series. That will happen along the way, and that will, we'll be grateful for that. I think it's more of a call to action for everybody at some level, right? So there's a verse of Scripture in Isaiah 32, 8 that says, a noble man or woman makes noble plan. A noble man or woman makes noble plans and on noble things they stand, right? And so if we're making noble plans and we're standing on noble things, then every individual, every small group, every family can do something to combat trafficking. That may mean that they partner with an organization that's in the ditch doing this fighting on a daily basis and support them financially. It may mean that they make it a part of their daily prayer list, that they are calling out the names of organizations in this space. It may mean that that they go out into the community, into the strip clubs, and into places of adult entertainment, and pass out, uh, you know, pass out cards with hotline numbers on it that people who may need to be rescued can call. It may mean uh, that they volunteer at the local emergency room when a domestic violence or sex trafficking survivor comes in in difficult medical condition that they're able to talk to them about a pathway out. It may mean that they take curriculum and educate their middle school and high school students on on the ill effects of pornography and how it leads to trafficking. You know, so there are a myriad of ways that individuals can be involved without ever having to put themselves at risk of a trafficker coming after them or their name being associated necessarily with sex trafficking anyway. So uh, much like any other mission opportunity, there are a whole lot of ways that can be done. But the first thing that has to happen is a step and an investigation as to what those steps are and how can I and my family engage. Outside of the practical things that we can always do, it's something that I've kind of felt and in, in helping uh, create this series is like, um, it's it's more than just the action steps that you take, you know, like obviously like passing out cards um, to uh, for people to know the human trafficking hotline. Like, obviously, that is good. That's important. That's great. But is it's also a heart mindset. If you don't have the heart mindset toward like why we're doing this um, and 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 what is truly going on with um, uh, with, you know, buyers, the fact that they exist, <laughs> that's really, truly driving this whole thing. Traffickers exist, uh, which though that's really the evil that we see is the evil that we see is the trafficker and not seemingly the buyer. And then we often seem to throw victims into this into this um, bad spot if we feel like they are choosing it rather than being forced. Um, I, I do you feel like this series is going to help? You know put everyone's heart in the right mindset before taking action? And do you think that's important to have? Well, I feel like a lack of judgmental attitude is critical if you're going to be engaged in in fighting something like sex trafficking. Because when you view the girl on the corner, uh, you view the the person who is smiling on a on a sex video, you view, you view individuals and you start to make judgments about who they are, what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they got to that place. Uh, that prevents us uh, from being able to have the right heart. 
So somehow being able to come to a place um, through our own relationship with Christ, being able to come to a place where we view individual, every individual that we see, hear about, the story comes out about as created in the image of God, according to Genesis 1, 27. We, we understand that individual is created in the image of God. What led them to this point? What are the circumstances of their life? What troubles and struggles and traumas have they experienced along the way in order to even be in this environment, whether it's of their own decision or they're being controlled by someone else. So sort of having a blank sheet of paper as we walk into this and not already having preconceived notions about what this looks like and why it's happening. And then to start, yes, it's very critical that we dive into an understanding of why men, particularly are buyers, you know, most reports you read, say between 95 and 95, between 95 and 99% of sex buyers are men. Well, what's broken in that man's life? You know, what, what is it that's driving him to this place of degradation, but to this place of scourge of society? What's driving him there? You know, how does a trafficker get to this point? What's so broken in his or her mind and heart and spirit that they would even consider selling a person? Those are critical questions that we have to be willing to ask. We generally don't want to ask those questions, we just want to go and care for the person that's been abused or, or raped or assaulted. We just want to care for them. And we, we don't generally want to dive into the context around that experience because it may expose something that we were not really excited about being exposed to us. You know, about this trafficker was actually sexually assaulted as a three-year-old by his father or somebody in his family or a community member that broke everything in him about what true sexuality and pure sexuality looks like. And so we don't want to feel compassion for him. We don't want to feel compassion for the trafficker or for the buyer. We only want to feel compassion too often for the survivor, for the victim. And so I think a, a willingness to be open-minded and open-eyed about the entire fabric of what trafficking is and how we got to this point would be critical for the church. And I think Advocate, the series can help us do that. It, it, it asks the probing questions and it pushes us to the points of discussion that I think can help us start to have conversations that to, to this point have been very uncomfortable and will still be uncomfortable, but frankly are necessary. I love, I, I love how you kind of touched on that. Cause it almost is like when we're, when what we want groups to feel when they do this um, study is like, it's not just it, what we don't, I, what I actually don't want them to do is to be like, okay, heard this episode. What should we do now do? Like, what are the action steps to now take? Um, I want them to discuss like, the anger that they might feel toward that buyer, toward that trafficker and how now, how does Christ want them to react? You know, it, it, for, for anyone like leading the study and stuff like that, helping make sure we navigate, you know, that, that like for someone who just would despise a buyer. I mean, I, I despise the idea of buying. I hate hearing you know, like a, like someone in, um, you know, around me talk about like, oh yeah, you know, strippers, strip clubs, stuff like that. Pornography, like, okay, well, you know, that's, that's the lighter side of things, you know, that, that's, that's not exactly trafficking and they don't think of it in mindset. Like how, how do we react in society that doesn't, doesn't straight up attack or shame but possibly does, you know, speak into their life as a cult. Like, how do we influence cultural change um, with the right mindset and how we do this? And how can a group leader help their, you know, as watching the series, how can that group leader help navigate that discussion in your opinion? 
Well, I think the group leader helps navigate this by asking open-ended questions, right? The group leader should not have solid, necessary, set-in-stone opinions themselves going in, right? Uh, this should be open conversation, dialogue, uh, and investigative uh, talk, right? So, so that you know, what do you, what do you think the issue in America looks like when it comes to sex trafficking? Frankly. 99% of the people I talk to have no idea what the issue actually looks like, right? And it doesn't make them bad people. They just haven't investigated. They just haven't read the, the numbers. So what does sex trafficking look like? How big an issue do you think it is? You know, how common is it do you think it is in our neighborhood? Just open-ended questions to get the dialogue going. And then to your point, I ask questions. What do you think about buyers? You know, what do you think about traffickers? Uh, open those questions. And then, you know, at some point that facilitator brings that conversation around. Well, let's compare what we've just said to the words of Jesus. How did he feel about the tax collector that everybody else looked down upon? You know, how did he feel about the prostitute that everyone else looked down on? How did he feel, you know, and start to compare our own mentality and emotional reactions to the Messiah, the one that we all follow. So I think open-ended questions are critical. And I think a comparison of the answers to the answers we would find in the life of Jesus would be, you know, a great pathway for small groups and discussion groups to take after they've watched episodes of Advocate. I do have a tough question for you, um, because uh, when we were actually doing a screening of this um, amongst the several pastors and leaders, uh, someone mentioned how they're like, this this might bring up some some bravery of possibly someone speaking out of something in their own life as they watch this. Um, and it could expose things even maybe within the family or church. Like, um, you know, we talk about in this and throughout the series, it's, it's not just, it's not just predators. It's uh, like outside predators or strangers or something like that. It's um, it is familiar trafficking. And we know that, you know, you mentioned earlier, pornography is in the church. Um, uh, we're, a lot of people in the church watch pornography and engage in it. And, um, and possibly even worse, like some, there are sexual abuse cases within the church, trafficking that happens within the church. If, if something is exposed inside a group, inside a family, inside a church, how, how should, and as, as, as a, as a pastor leader yourself, how, how should we biblically go about this? That is, um, that that brings, uh, reconciliation and justice at the same time. Well, the conversation needs to be had on the front end by from the senior leadership of a church and then those who are going to lead discussion groups about what the response will be if someone comes forward and confesses some level of sexual sin in their life. So number one, there needs to be a plan, right? We don't just respond to those kind of situations on the fly. There needs to be a plan. Uh, secondly, confidentiality is critical, obviously, in small group discussion, unless there's a minor involved, unless there's abuse taking place, right? So uh, ministers and those of us that are that are licensed in ministry, are, we're mandated reporters. So individuals need to know that if they bring something up as it relates to a child or abuse, that we're mandated reporters, that has to be shared elsewhere. So the ground rules need to be established in small groups pretty clearly. Um, I spoke at a men's conference this past weekend, and um, after the conference, there was a line of men to confess to me their sexual sins. Right. I mean, a line saying, this is my issue, this is my issue, this is my issue. Thankfully, the place I spoke had a plan in place. They have a counseling center where we're able to direct them in the right uh, place to go and, and talk through that and begin to deal with that in their own life. So having having a, a policy 
of some sort in place for all the group leaders, how they manage that and, and helping people to understand the ground rules that there are mandated issues that may come up here and understanding um, that the small group should be a place of trust and confidentiality. Um, and frankly, I don't think there should be a lot of public confession of these kind of things. I think there should be private conversation that takes place after the private, after the public group setting. So in a church environment or small group environment, those should open the door and make confession and dialogue comfortable. But then that actual confession or dialogue about issues, I think should take place in a private context with one or two or three trusted advisor advisors. As, as, as someone who might be listening to this before watching episode two, what, what final word would you kind of, um, give them an encouragement as they, as they watch this as not something as just a here, we need to fight trafficking and encouragement of getting involved and stuff like that. What about what, what encouragement can you give for their personal lives to be impacted by this series? Yeah, I think the series has the incredible potential of making every individual who watches it a better person. And if we become a better person, then we have greater potential of impacting those who are not yet in a place of betterment in their own life. So watching this series exposes darkness, it exposes pain, it exposes suffering and trauma. But if we watch it with an open heart and mind and we're prayerful as we watch the series, then we're going to come out of this better informed, better equipped to do something about it, and just overall better people from a spiritual and, and emotional place. And then that will give us the tools and resources we need to go and really minister to those that are in the broken, weary, worn out places of life. So I think Advocate has an incredible potential to make individuals inside the church a better, better individuals, better families, which in return, in turn, will automatically make the church a better place and a place of more healing, uh, more acceptance of the hurting and the broken and the weary and those that may not look, sound or smell like us along the way. Amen. All right. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for taking some time to just discuss this. And and thank you for your involvement in this Advocate series. We're, we're really excited about launching this as, as we're recording this right now. Um, this before the official launch. Um, and uh, I'll be 100% honest. We, we, we're, we're leaving this up to God as, to see how, how uh, much this will um, be distributed amongst the church and, and, the, and the interest level of, of church leaders actually taking this on. Um, you know, we, we kind of expect those who are uh, in the fight to kind of like grasp this series. But as we all know, there's not a lot of those in the church. Um, and so, um, you know, I would appreciate maybe if closing out in some prayer of like um, how, how God can use this series to uh, to talk to his people, to talk to his um, um, to the uh, to to talk to the church about how to truly yeah change help change culture, help influence culture and help um, truly end human trafficking and, and many other things that are involved in human trafficking. Honored to be a part and glad to close in prayer. So Father, we are grateful today for your grace, your mercy and your love toward us. Uh, we're also grateful for justice where you help us to understand that there are some things that are wrong that need to be made right in our own individual lives and collectively as a society. An advocate gives us the opportunity to address justice in really powerful ways. It is absolutely wrong that sons and daughters, men and women, are being sexually trafficked, being sold, uh, being abused. It's 100% wrong, and we want to be a part of correcting that. And so I pray now for every senior pastor, every senior church leadership member that will have the opportunity to review and 
and take a look at this material and make a decision as whether or not to be a part of their church. And I pray that the answer will be yes. I pray for every church member, every congregant in any place across our country that has the opportunity to view the Advocate series, that their hearts would not only be moved and touched, but they would be changed and they would choose to make a directional difference in their life and the lives of those around you. Father, I'm honored and blessed to be a part of this group. And I thank you for Jeremy, for Kevin and Francis and for others who have invested their time and talent into this incredibly important message that the church has to embrace and has to move forward with. For every everyone who's being trafficked right now, we pray blessings of protection over them. For every buyer, we pray that you would cause them to turn away. For every trafficker, cause them to turn away. Bring wholeness, bring healing, uh, bring restoration to our land, to our families, to our country. Uh, we ask in Jesus' name, and we bless Advocate the Series right now. We bless it uh, with the power of your spirit to go forth and do a mighty work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bruce, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, brother. Yeah, my honor. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being with us on the Trafficking Free America podcast and um, in the season two of uh, continuing and further discussion about our Advocate Series. Um, if you have not heard of or don't not know where to download our Advocate Series, please go to AdvocateSeries.com and you will find a link to ultimately access all the videos, download our study guide. All this is for free. And we also put some additional resources on that website so that you can, as you deep dive into these episodes, you can uh, access our resources to kind of get a better idea on on, on educating yourself, um, uh, getting some ideas on how you can get plugged into um, ultimately uh, combating human trafficking if you feel inspired or you feel God calling you to to do more. Um, as the U.S. Institute uh, wants to, the U.S. Institute against human, the U.S. Institute against human trafficking created this advocate series to help educate the church so that they know a little bit better of an idea of how they can react in a Christ-centered way on combating human trafficking. And one of the action steps we give is to, is to actually become an abolitionist. When I say become an abolitionist, I mean by going to usiaht.org slash abolitionist and signing up to be an abolitionist. It's our abolitionist project. It is ultimately a way for you to subscribe and receive resources. Every time, on a daily basis, we're trying to create content and find more resources and more ways to um, rally and unite uh, the church together and others together to um, combat human trafficking. And by signing up as an abolitionist, you get resources right away from us to do that. But we also ask our abolitionists to get involved in one of three ways. It is to either uh, help raise awareness. That could be anything from sharing things on social media, just continuing, uh, continually, continually talking about this with your friends and family, uh, those who are uh, you can influence in your community, possibly even taking our TFC program, our TFZ trafficking free zone program, bringing that to businesses so that they can become TFZ zone uh, trafficking free zones, and uh, may or maybe taking this advocate series to churches or other any group you want to and and helping raise awareness. Another way is to volunteer. If you want to volunteer, we have a program. We have several programs at the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking that you can actually um, uh, get involved in right away as a volunteer. But also, you know, this is a nationwide thing, and we are uh, continually partnering with other organizations such as safe homes, foster care agencies that are uh, in pregnancy centers, multiple places, multiple resources that are helping combat human trafficking or help, helping the marginalized that really affect 
um, you know, those who are being groomed or brought into human trafficking. And so uh, if you are, if your heart is to volunteer, if you want to spend your time doing that, we want to help get you plugged in. So by signing up as an abolitionist, and if you want to volunteer, you can actually schedule a consultation meeting with our team at the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking to uh, help get plugged in in the right way, like where, where you're located, as well as your time, as well as your talents and skills and heart. We help try to partner you with the right, with the right organization to, uh, to start, start getting involved. And the third aspect is helping raise, raise funds. Um, you know, even making this advocate series is thousands of dollars. Uh, creating content and helping raise awareness on a continual basis costs a lot of money. These organizations that we're going to help you, help plug you into, everyone needs funds to help make this happen. Um, we are fighting a $150 billion industry. And if we're coming in with, um, with uh, pennies compared to that, it's going to be a longer haul, right? It's going to be a harder fight and and it's going to take longer and there's going to be more victims. Um, money is definitely not power, but money is a natural resource to help those who are being marginalized. This entire thing started with money and we can combat it with good. Um, if you have a talent for raising money, I want you to help us raise money. I want you to help fundraise, whether it's giving yourself, whether it's getting others rallied around this to give to the U S Institute against human trafficking, or it's rallying around your local organization that you know is combating human trafficking and you can help them. Ultimately we need you to um, help raise funds. Ignoring the fact that funds are a need is ignoring the fact that people are in need. These funds will help those people. And I want you to make sure, I want to make sure you're researching. And if you want to talk to the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking to help make sure you're choosing a good organization that's truly putting, you know, their money where their mouth is, um, that's another thing we're trying to help do. We're trying to weed out those who are doing good compared to those who are maybe just, you know, exploiting the fight against human trafficking, which is also real. So guys, um, thank you for listening to, the, to today's podcast. Again, if you're ready to get involved after watching the Advocate series, I encourage you to go to usiaht.org slash abolitionist and actually sign up. Um, and if you have not watched this Advocate series, please go to advocateseries.com and download and watch this five video series and then go and sign up to become an abolitionist because I promise you, um, you're going to feel um, pulled the, into helping in any way possible. Thank you.